0: The Liberals have announced what they see as a solution that will address many problems. Great to have you here. I'm Alex Pearson. This is 640 Toronto. So they've expanded. This was announced a couple of weeks ago, but they've expanded the hours that international students will work from 20 hours to 40 hours. And so, yes, this will certainly help ease labor shortage issues, but it also would help students who have uh, taken on tens of thousands of dollars in debt. You know, they come here and they end up paying up to 3 to 4 times more the fees of a Canadian student and those fees can add up to about $25,000 per student that money of course goes into the universities so these students want to be able to actually work and pay off the debt instead of getting dwarfed in the soaring costs of livings living so all of this uh, these changes address the issue um, and stops really students from going around the rules once they hit their 20 hours. Because right now, it's like they work 20 hours, and then I guess they do uh, the rest under the table. So in their eyes, changing these rules is a good solution. But my next guess worries that this could be a solution that invites some problems. Mikhail Skudarud is an economist over at the University of Waterloo and joins us. Great to have you.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: All right, so this will be seen, I think, uh, from most as a win-win because it does address the labor shortages. It allows students to get some more money in their pocket. But how do you see this?
1: I, I think that's absolutely true. There, there, are, like with most policies, there are there are winners and 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 there are trade-offs. And and so, as a as a faculty member who teaches a lot of international students, you worry about the the trade-off on their academic performance. I also worry as a labor economist about the, the kind of the framing of the issue of labor shortages. It's it's very regularly framed as, as a problem. I see it more as an opportunity. Um, you know, labor shortages are definitely good for the economy. They're mm-hmm. good for workers. They force employers to use their workers more efficiently, to make jobs more attractive, to attract workers by raising wages and working conditions. These are all good things. Yeah. So I do worry a little bit about the narrative.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, look, I mean, you can take a positive from anything. It's a negative that the businesses have labor shortages. On the flip side, if you're looking for a job, there's ample opportunity. It also gives you more negotiating power. So there are good sides to it. But is there evidence that if you you know increase the supply of, I guess, what would be seen as low-skilled workers, it will ultimately put more pressure on, um, on wages?
1: Well, there's plenty of evidence of that. So you know, the economic theory we teach, I'm teaching economics 101 this term to 600 students, about 20% of them are are international students. And that's kind of fundamental to the theory we teach. I'm also an economist who studies immigration. I've been studying it for about 20 years. And and the the, the evidence is overwhelming that when you increase the supply into a competitive market, Mm -hmm. it it puts downward pressure on prices. In this case, it's a labor market and those prices are people's wages. Um, there's no question that that happens. The question is, how much does it happen? And in lower skilled markets where workers are willing to put up with really lousy working conditions in order to be on this pathway to permanent residency, they don't want to get off of that pathway to permanent residency, then they're willing to put up with a lot, including paying really high tuition and, and working in really crummy jobs. And, and so that puts extra downward pressure on, on wages in those competitive markets.
0: Australia tried to do this but then stopped it, and and I guess they found that student visas were being marketed by uh, recruiting agents abroad as a, quote, cheap, low-rent work visa. Is that the concern? Is that people, uh, international students, will come in, they take these jobs, and then they stay in these jobs? I mean, why would Australia all of a sudden stop it instead of tweak it?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, great question. And, and that's part of these sort of trade-offs. These are complicated policy issues, as you said, from the outside. There are benefits to the students who want to work more. Absolutely. But we always have to think about the trade-offs. And, and uh, in Australia, they, they've understood these challenges. I mean, one thing that I think most Canadians don't recognize is what international students are paying in tuition. These universities and colleges in Ontario, they can't choose what they charge the domestic students. That's set by the provincial government, by Doug Ford. But they can charge their international students whatever they want. And so if you go back 15 years, they were charging them twice as much as their domestic students. Today, they charge them five times as much. So the students in my classroom, the international students, are paying $45,000 per year. The domestic students are getting exactly the same education from me. I don't treat them any differently. They are paying $9,000. So the worry is, as you make these international students work more and more, what happens to the potential to keep increasing the fees you're charging them? Um, and, and it's kind of a vicious cycle. And I, and I definitely worry about that.
0: Right. And, and at the same time, you, then you've got people on the flip side saying, look, I mean, you've got too many people coming in and taking, uh, you know, jobs that, that we should be, um, you know, those who live here should be having. And it's like, well, if you don't, if, if you wanted those jobs, they're available and they're not being taken now.
1: Yeah, but I guess we get the one thing I would encourage. I I don't disagree with that, but I think I the people who think that way I would encourage them to recognize the fact that Canada, Canada's immigration system is increasingly moved towards what we call what we call two step migration. So we're relying on international students as new permanent residents. A good chunk of these international students, more than a third of them, will become permanent residents in Canada, future taxpayers. On the other hand, many of those domestic students I'm teaching will leave Canada immediately after graduating and go and work in the U.S. They will never pay income tax in Canada right. again. And so, that it's a, again, it's complicated.
0: Yeah, generally everything is complicated. There's generally yes, a, a lot of right, fine Alex. print to every news um, you know, headline we end up seeing. Is the concern, uh, Professor, that, you know, you'll get these students, they get to work the 40 hours, and then they end up not finishing the program? I mean, I can't imagine yeah. that an international student would come here, pay all the fees and that, and not finish their education.
1: Yeah, so that I think that you might be surprised. I think at the university level, the university uh, at the University of Waterloo, I, I definitely see these pressures, but, you know, failing out because you're working too many hours. You're right. That's going to be the exception. At colleges and these private colleges, um, I think it's more realistic. There is a concern that students are failing out. Um, there are, you know, relatively large numbers of students failing out. And, and what they do is, of course, then they're in this precarious situation. Their student visa is no longer legitimate. And, and the worry is that they're staying on and continuing to work in Canada. Um, so this, this is a concern. I, th- I don't think we have very good data on just how many, just because by the nature of it, the administrative data isn't very useful anymore because they're not documented anymore. So I think it is an issue to be worried about as these numbers keep exploding.
0: And the other thing is, I mean, we won't have hopefully we won't have a labor shortage forever, but certainly as we uh if we head into a recession and, and jobs start to shed, is there a concern um that these international students that are taking work away uh from those who live here now? Would that is that also being raised? And is this a temporary program where the government could say, look, uh we have too many jobs being shed, we've got to pull back on your hours?
1: But, uh, great questions, Zalz, is exactly the 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 issues we're thinking about um we're we've already seen so I, I kind of track this labor market tightness on a regular basis I I put out some some the, the the monthly measures on on Twitter and and what we've seen in most recent months is for sure that those numbers are coming down labor market market, market tightness is definitely you know there's more slackness now than there was three months about three months ago we're definitely moving further in that direction and so the government has said that this is a temporary measure. It will end in December 2023. I would I worry here a little bit about, you know, like making, relaxing these kinds of measures is relatively easy because yeah. the, the optics are win-wins. But, you know, going back is going to be a lot tougher.
0: Yeah, no question about it. Well, it's something certainly to keep an eye on. Uh, generally, we don't see the results of these decisions until a few months down the road. So we'll keep an eye on that. Very much
1: appreciate yep. your time on this. Hey, thanks for having me. Anytime.
0: That is Dr. Mikhail Escudarid, who's with the University of Waterloo, where he teaches uh, you know, economics, which you're going to be hearing a lot about over the next, uh, well, for a long time. There's no bigger issue right now uh, facing us here in this country, certainly with all the other things geopolitically going on with the war, but certainly cost of living issues. So we'll keep an eye on that.